Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's interview is with Taggart Van Etten, the world record holder for the fastest ever 100-mile run on a treadmill. We talk about why he chased that record, why he likes running far more than he likes running fast, why running led to a career change, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Tiger Van Etten. Tiger Van Etten, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, really excited to be here. And thanks again for reaching out. So let's do this. Absolutely. Thanks again for coming on. I start the podcast by asking my guest about their most recent run. How was your uh, most recent run? Distance? You know, how'd it go? Was it a workout? Was it an easy run? What was it like? Uh, well, I had a double today. I did uh, this morning. I did 15 by one minute at feel good pace and a one minute jog. Uh, that was 10 miles, pretty standard. And then this afternoon I did um, an easy five miles on the treadmill. So both went to plan. Nothing, uh, nothing really felt amazingly good, but everything just felt normal. That's good. Always nice to feel normal. Uh, I was yeah. looking at your Strava. Uh, this is a couple weeks ago. I saved it just for this conversation. But you you mentioned that like this was the anniversary, a four year anniversary of running a two fifty four oh eight, and that was in twenty nineteen. Um, and and lately now you're in the midst of all these one hundred mile weeks. You just ran a sub two thirty marathon. Uh, kind of this is a big picture question to begin the conversation. I wonder how surprised you are about what has become of your running career when you think back to where you were four years ago and now where you are today. Yeah. Um, so when I ran that 254 in Springfield, I actually like kind of back my mind knew that I would hopefully be getting into the low 220s, high 219s. I haven't cracked 220 yet, but um, I could tell when I finished that race four years ago that I had it in me that I just knew I had to be really consistent and uh just be prepared to work over the next four years of time and uh thankfully i was able to work down to a 221 so that's awesome and you, you. yeah absolutely and you you were someone going all the way back you didn't start running until your senior year of high school why 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 was that the case why why did that end up happening for you um i it just kind of I, I wrestled through high school, so I ran uh, pretty consistently uh, in the in-season, off-season, and um, it just it just appealed to me finally when I was about 16 or 17 years old. I was doing these longer runs. I was do, probably doing like eight, nine miles on a Saturday trying to cut weight, and um, yeah, then I had to do the mile in PE class, and I was halfway decent at it, and that was the, that's what kind of started me on the running and speaking of wrestling, you've talked about it before. Like you, you really give a lot of credit to that, right? For for what's become of of you today, just given like the mental toughness and and obviously the physical toughness. But it seems like mentally that has helped you out a lot. Oh yeah, for sure. I remember you know being fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years old and having three hour wrestling practice after school, and it just it just hardens you. Like it's, I mean, uh, there are plenty of runs and races that have been very hard, but. I can just remember like going into a hot gym and suffering from 3 p.m. till 6 p.m. night after night. How, 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 uh, I guess, how would, how big of a trait do you think that your mental toughness is? Like when you rank your, you know, obviously your ability to stay healthy is going to be incredibly high. Where would you put the mental toughness, do you think? 
Um, I definitely say it's up there. I've, I've had, you know, lower spots over the years and uh, probably last year a couple times more than um, any time in my career. But um, I'm able to get my run done every single day, get my double done every single day. And it's just kind of a part of my routine. I don't know. It's uh, I'd say in a hundred mile race, you definitely need more mental toughness, but everything's pretty relative to most runners out there. I think. Do you think you like, what's the balance of like your competitiveness and your like raw enjoyment? Do you think of the practice of running? You know, um, I think, I think that kind of relates to like someday I'll be able to hang everything up, uh, rather that be 10 years from now, 15 years from now, uh, on the competitive side, but I'll still be the guy who goes out for five, six, seven, eight miles every day. Um, I definitely enjoy the grind, uh, the day in day out more than I do actually the race reward. So, um, it just kind of helps me prepare myself for my day when I'm out there in the mornings. And yeah, it's just, kind of pretty normal to me at this point what why do you think that is i I love that answer that you like the day-to-day of it all more than the races because you know so often i know when i first got into running it was like about the the the, the ends right it was like i wanted to get to the race day i want to get the medal i want to like not have to run anymore for for a few weeks so i can take a break um what what has changed a lot of things have changed but one of the things that has changed is i enjoy the day-to-day of it all what why what is it about the day-to-day of it all that you really enjoy more than the races Um, when I initially changed my focus to exclusively running a few years ago and, um, I was, I had probably like four or five months of just running under my belt. And I realized that as long as I stayed grounded and could do everything at, um, you know, at the appropriate paces and distances that, um, that I just had like a certain gift to where I, I could go far, you know, eight to 16 miles every morning and it was just some it was just one of those mornings i was out and i was just like i'm I'm just really thankful that i'm able to do this and this uh this was like in the middle of pandemic this was like march or april 2020 this even before i ran an ultra marathon and it was probably around like that time when everything kind of hit me and i was just like well i can i just feel like i'm floating out here you know i could run eight miles, nine miles easy every single day for the rest of my life and relatively stay healthy for it. Gosh, that sounds like something even beyond the runner's high. If you felt that, like you feeling that good out there. Yeah. Um, uh, to be honest, I prefer just the easy recovery runs more than I do the workouts. I don't know. I could, I'm just oh, a yeah. guy who could go out every day and run, like I said, anywhere from eight to 10 miles at whatever pace feels good. Never run a workout and be fine with that. But you know, awesome. you do have to train to get better. So, oh yeah, for sure. Speaking of getting better, we we started the conversation. We were talking about that that two fifty four that you ran in October of twenty nineteen. So just about four years ago, if if I if I read right, later that year, did you run in India a two thirty seven and change? Was that yeah. was that that year? How how were you able to make a jump like that so quickly? Um, I thought I was relatively close to under 240 shape when I did the 254, but I really wanted to play it safe. I wanted to see like what I needed to do before like an all like a uh, marathon where I'm going to leave nothing on the table. I wanted to do one where, um, at the time I thought it was normal for most runners to do that, but, um, <laughs> I figured out now that that was kind of like more of like an ultra runner trait, um, <laughs> to kind of do like a marathon and prep for a marathon. But, uh, yeah, I went to Indy, uh, it was like three or four weeks later and it was the perfect day. It was cold. It was cold and windy, but, um, I ran like two 
37, 32. I was shooting for a 236 at the time, but I figured anywhere from 236 to 239 would be a great day, a nice split dead in the center. And yeah. That's, That's awesome. Kind of did it. Yeah. And and you and and at the time, as you mentioned, you were, you know, like OTQ, the dream of the OTQ was was in your mind, obviously ahead of the the 2020 trials and and it you were going to run in a different race right there was going to be another one that ended up getting canceled because of covid no um so after i ran 237 um the the olympic trials for 2020 were in february and that's Mm -hmm. when i was like oh i can i can probably run 219 three years from now if i'm able to jump to 237 that quickly and um I knew that it wouldn't be in 2020, but in 2021 is when the um, like the qualification would have started. And because of the pandemic, there wasn't like any road races in 2020 or or at least really any big size ones that were worth like me traveling to to race. And because okay. of that's why I ran an ultra marathon. OK, so uh, along those lines, then, like you look back at that. It's, I mean, certainly it's a fork in the road moment for you. Like, are you. I have to imagine you're super appreciative in in a way because it ended up sending you down this path versus maybe continuing on um, with those road races. How, when you look back on that happening and and how, what it's led to, I guess, what are those feelings like? Yeah, you know, initially when I finished Tunnel Hill for the first time, I never thought I would do it again, uh, especially the training into it. You know, I figured at some point in my life, I'd, run, I'd want to run 100 miles, whether I'd be 24 or 44. I'm like, I'll just, one of those things, you know, just a check mark in the box. But, um, since, since that day, three years ago and 2020, it just, it really changed everything as far as like my confidence, like the trajectory of the rest of my like quote running career. Um, it, it was able to give me confidence that, that I was able to run the treadmill record and that, um, started partnerships for me professionally, as far as like my running career goes. And if it wasn't, if it wouldn't have been for that initial ultra marathon, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now over, over stuff like this. Gosh, that's crazy to think about. What, what, what was, what was your training like before that like kind of change in your life happened because I read an interview this morning where you told run spirited. You said, I had no idea what I was doing training for a hundred miles. I just kind of figured if I held about one fifty a week, just very easy mileage, it would probably get me there. I added a little more, a little more every week. And I just kept getting more fit. Like what had you been doing? And then as you're doing this, as you say, you, you kind of really don't have a plan and you don't really understand, or you don't really know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, so I guess it's best to kind of go back a little bit. Um, Before I ran 237, before I ran 254, I was a half Ironman triathlete. So um, I was used to pretty high volume and used to um, using like nutrition and, you know, four to five hour races. And for me, you know, as a triathlete, I was averaging probably like 20 hours a week of volume. And then when I went back to, when I went to running, I was running 100 miles a week, which is high volume, but that's only like, 12 to 13 hours of running. So like, it didn't seem like I was training a lot. It seemed like I was running a lot, but it didn't seem like I was doing a lot of training. And then, um, once all the COVID cancellations happened in July, then I found a way through like soft surface running on my treadmill running on the grass that I could add in, you know, an extra three to four or five mile double in the evenings. And, um, my legs, didn't feel like it was anything. And I was running like an eight minute pace for, like I said, anywhere from three to five miles. My heart rate was probably like 115. And I just kind of added on to that. And that eventually um, 
propelled myself into ultra marathon training for the fall of 2020. And you're, you're at this, you're totally self coach in the, in that time period, right? Yeah. I, um, I really, yeah, I just did not know what I was doing. I actually have a few regrets, uh, from then. Um, I wasn't doing anything fast at all. And, um, I think I paid for that when I returned to the marathon and the end of 2021, the start of 2022, cause I was just, you know, I was running a lot of seven, seven and a half minute miles, but I wasn't in, I wasn't running anything, anything faster than seven minute miles. Cause I thought preparing for an ultra marathon at the time, you need to run just easy the entire way. And, uh, that was definitely a big mistake I made. So how, what, what, what led to that change then? Was it? Was it you just kind of diving into things, whether online or in books, or was it talking with people or was it getting connected with a coach? What, what led to, to change and kind of figuring out how to do stuff better? Um, so it was probably like the fall of 2021 is when the world started kind of getting all back to normal. And um, I had planned to go after a marathon personal best in the fall of 2021. I did. I ran 229. Um coincidentally at the same race, I just recently ran 229 at, and, um, I, and I can remember going for like my first run workout and it was like my first like true, you know, I'm trying to gain speed. And I did probably like five by one minute on at like six twenty minute per mile pace. And for myself, I was just like, so ashamed that, you know, I had done all this huge volume, but now I've lost all this turnover in my legs that, that I spent, you know, years building that I, you know, did not work on for 18 months. And from then on, I, I figured that I needed to start, you know, trying to figure out a way to balance speed slash marathon training and ultra training. And so what did that look like then when you started balancing it better? Um, so I would say from like the fall of 2021 until most recently, like the, until like August of 2023, I was pretty marathon focused uh, to be honest, I, I entered in some hundred mile races in the most disrespectful way. I'm, I'm actually pretty ashamed by this, but, um, I thought because of how good I was a few times at hundred miles, I could muscle my way through them off of no ultra training. And I was wrong and I DNF'd every single time and I deserved those DNFs. And, um, I was, you know, I was running high volume. I was running relatively high volume, like 110, 120 miles a week, but I was training for a marathon. And, um, I just thought I could hop into any 100 mile race I wanted to and finish 12 or 13 hours. And, um, there were a couple in there, but there, there wasn't anything worth really like that caught my eye that I'm up there. You know, there just wasn't any good ultra marathon results from then until most recently when I, actually started training for ultra marathon again. Let me ask you this. I mean, you sound, you're, you sound very humble. Um, you know, when you talk about what you've been able to do and yet, yet you just mentioned what, what you were doing, kind of disrespecting those races back then, were you cocky? Like what? Cause you just, you, you don't, you don't see my guess in the limited time I've ever talked to you, like someone who would, would do something like that. Do you think that you've changed over the last few years? Yeah, you know, um, when you run your first hundred and twelve nineteen, then you run the hundred mile treadmill record in eleven thirty two, and then I went for the overall hundred mile record six weeks later, and I fell on my face, which I I don't discredit that to you know lack of training or anything. It's just, it's just that pace was way too fast, and I was not ready for that that day. But um, then I kind of then I kind of almost retired from ultra marathon and went, I went straight into the marathon and there were a few races, for example, 
Tunnel Hill of 2021, I lined up for it seven days after I ran a 222 marathon. And at the time, I thought, you know, I'm invincible. I ran these times. I can surely run 12 and a half hours like it's nothing. And I DNF'd at like mile 65. And then the following summer, summer of 2022, I did the same thing at another local race called the Badger Trail 100, where um, it was more than just training. It was just a bad day in general. And I DNF'd at like mile 60 or 70, something like that. I walked like 10 miles, so probably like mile 62. I DNF'd. I probably quit then and walked into 70, but, um, I realized then that I, I couldn't be good at both. And that if I wanted to be, you know, good at the marathon, I'd focus on the marathon. If I want to be good at hundred miles, I had to give the hundred mile distance, the work it deserved uh, that I gave it, you know, going into tunnel hill the first time and the treadmill run. So, so are you appreciative then when you look back on those, that you had those moments because they've obviously been great teaching tools. Yeah, you know, honestly, they're they're kind of a little, uh, you know, I guess a little embarrassing to be honest, because um, like I just thought that you know I was invincible and I wasn't, and I thought I could you know just run any ultra, you know, I I probably could have gotten through any fifty just fine, but running a hundred's a different beast, and like yeah, I was doing very hard runs from twenty two to twenty five miles, but when you're trying to run a hundred miles and, you know, at seven or seven and a half minute pace, you need to be doing longer runs than that to sustain that. You need to learn what's going to happen when you go outside for three hours and the highs and the lows. And I just wasn't experiencing that in my training. So when it came on race day, I wasn't prepared for it. So you, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, you know, after this, you, you leave and, and you, you know, you, you meet this moment where I have to either focus on the 100 mile or I have to focus on the marathon it seemed like you were still focusing on the marathon um, and, and trying to chase after that OTQ until earlier this year. Cause if I remember right, like this, you announced at some point, you know, within the last few months, like I, I'm not going to go after that anymore. What did that process look like that ultimately led you to that decision? Yeah. So in December last year, I ran my personal best at CIM, which is like everyone's go-to. Um, yep. I, yeah. It's, it's a great race. If you're ever looking to, you know, just smash your personal record, you want to go to CIM. And then um, I went to Grandma's Marathon, which is probably it's probably about a half percent slower than CIM or one percent slower, but it's still very fast point to point race. And um, I've just it it was at like a lot of races um, over the past few years. I've had I've talked to ultra runners, and they always tell me to go back. And I've, I and I've been thinking about it, and um, I don't know. I, I was just at the start line in Duluth and I said, well, if this goes really good, I'll probably go back to ultra. And if this goes really bad, I'll probably just, you know, put the marathon on pause and go back to ultra for the fall. And, you know, I, running two seventeen fifty nine doesn't define me. You know, I, you know, I've already worked from a two fifty four to two twenty one, So, uh, just time on the clock. Are you happy with that decision? Yeah, uh, I'm very happy with it. You know, having the result I did at Hennepin, um, I'm still able to cheer my friends on who are trying to get the OTQ or that have gotten the OTQ. Now, um, when uh, when CIM has their race day here in about three or four weeks and I'm just glued to that tracker, I might have some major FOMO then, but um, I'm definitely glad I made the switch back to the Is there, 100 it, mile training. It, do you think at all that, that that could change for the next cycle That in like four years that... that- you know, you could be talking to someone saying like, yeah, I'm going to go after it at CIM, you know, as it, as it approaches December of 2027. 
Yeah, um, I was actually, I've had this conversation with a few people. Um, I have a pretty polarized personality, meaning like I want to be all in on one or all in on the other. And like a lot of people have, you know, compared to my results to like Zach or like they used to say I was as ambitious as Jim Walmsley. And um, I, I, you know, I'm probably better at ultras than I am marathons, but I think every year I'm going to have like a marathon build and then a hundred mile build to where I can keep mixing it up. You know, I'm, I'm actually planning on an April targeting the Champaign, Illinois marathon where I'd like to win. I'd like to go under 220 and then kind of, float that into some summer fifties and then to a fall 100. So I, yeah, I think it's like best for me that I have like a marathon track season and then an ultra marathon cross country season one after the other. You mentioned the word ambition. Where do you get that from? Where does your ambition come from? Do you think? Um, it's pretty internally, uh, to be honest, I don't like find like other athletes or other people, you know, I don't, I don't draw from that, I just always find it for myself. Um, yeah, just the pursuit of pushing my own limits every day. Have you always been that way? I think so. I think so for the most part. Um, there are definitely times, you know, when I have my friends who are some, some have ran 217, some are 221 guys, and I see their workouts and I think, oh, I gotta, I gotta do better than that next week. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's like nothing that's like, I'm like, you know, losing sleep over, but you know, I do have my friends that help motivate me. And, um, I have my, you know, I have my non-running friends and my family that is motivating me, you know, my crew that's helping me at races. I got to get to them. And yeah. Obviously this is, you know, what your, your life has become. Was there a, a time early on in this journey where your friends, your non-running friends, your family, they were like, what in the world is going on with you? Or, or is this something that, you know, given, given what you were doing in high school and everything that this is kind of maybe the next logical step though, perhaps just a little bit farther. Yeah. Um, my friends and my immediate family have always been very supportive, but I think it wasn't until like, you know, I keep going back to this when I ran tunnel hill for the first time, when it was like the result that, you know, for my friends that are in my, like my group chat always give me crap over my running. I think it was like the first time they were like impressed by it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, it was, it was really kind of like a, I guess an eye opener for some people who know, you know, that I exercise every day, but they don't know the extent of it, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. Cause I know I've had conversations with people and they're like, yeah, cool. You like running. And then, you know, I'll post a, a marathon time or something or like, Oh, and yeah. you know, so like that's, I think that that's always can be like a fun surprise for someone who, you know, knows mm -hmm. that you're into it, but maybe like I, I, I can think of reactions specifically over the last few years where it's like, wait, that's what you, that's what you were able to do, which I mean, it, it's like flattering in one way, but it's like, yeah, this is, you know, this is why I yeah. put in all those hours every morning. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I wake up at four 30 in the morning. And this is why I stay in on Friday nights and don't yep. do anything fun sometimes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, what I, I referenced the interview that you did a couple of years ago with run spirit. There was one part that really connected so well with me. And that was like, I think it was near the end. It was, you know, in one of those, Hey, what advice would you give to, to other runners? Um, and you said to run slow. Um, and, and I know that, that I have said that a lot, my, everything for me unlocked in 2020 when I started doing my runs easier and, and now here I am. Um, so I always say that one to run faster, one slower, run slower. I, I truly believe that 
When did that become something that maybe you started living by? Have you always had that in you as a runner? Um, when I first started running in high school, I had like a lot of issues as far as like injury goes. And I did a little bit in college and I had a, I had a coach that told me if I wasn't running a mile, seven minute pace that it wasn't worth running. And that's when I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done here. I don't have anything. You know, I, that's when I kind of like ended my like very short collegiate career of running and went to triathlon. And, um, when I was a triathlete, I was, I was, I was coached and then I was self-coached. And, um, I, at the time I found an, a way to kind of enjoy it more and I was just going slower. And then, um, eventually I just, you know, um, at the time I had like a heart rate strap. I don't wear one anymore, but to make sure that like I was going at an easy heart rate. And then I had a cadence pod, make sure I had a high cadence to like teach myself how to go easier. And it was very enjoyable. And I, and I couldn't believe that I could just like go out at the time for probably anywhere from two miles to three miles and like get done and not feel horrible or not feel horrible the entire time. And that was, yeah, that's, that's what I think most people could learn how to do is just relative learn learn how to run slow and you'll just have more fun with it back to my conversation in just a moment with taggart van etten but i wanted to let everybody know that i'll be running in the 2024 chicago marathon this october and in doing so we'll once again be raising money for the saint jude children's research hospitals it's gonna be the third time now that i have done so did it in 2019 did it in 2022 and i'll be doing it again this year in 2024 One of the more rewarding experiences that I've been able to be a part of over the last half decade or so, going all the way back now to 2018, which is when I ran in my first marathon overall, and also the first time that I ever raised money for St. Jude. My goal in 2022 was to surpass $5,000. I was able to do so. That's kind of my first goal this time around. I would love to get above $5,000, but I am hoping for a whole lot more. If you go to the show notes for this episode's podcast and any of the future podcasts, you will find a link to donate directly to my fundraiser, and all of those dollars will go to St. Jude. There are going to be some events that are going to be taking place as well in the lead up to October. It's going to be so much fun. Appreciate anyone who is able to donate whatever the dollar amount is. So just go to that link in the show notes. Appreciate you for supporting, not really me, for supporting St. Jude. More from my conversation with Tiger Van Etten. Yeah, 100%. It's like, you know, you finish a tough workout and obviously you're out of breath or whatever and you feel like, okay, that was really hard. Um, but hopefully there's a sense of accomplishment. Um, yeah. You shouldn't like always have to feel that way after, you know, like a five, six mile run or, or, or any mm-hmm. distance. Like you shouldn't have mm-hmm. to leave and be like, thank God that one is over. Like occasionally you're going to have maybe a harder run than you like or, you know, it's it's maybe a little longer than you want to do. But I, 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 I think back to how I would feel on like weekday mornings when I would go out for a few miles versus now. And it, it's just a night and day difference. It's like, the feeling of like, I got it done and I'm ready to move on with the rest of my day. But it, I also don't feel like totally sapped of energy like I used to because I was just running too hard. Yeah, exactly. Um, probably another thing I'd like to add on to that is, an, is a mistake I made and that was not sprinting enough. Um, obviously, you want to keep your easy days easy. But uh, a mistake I made in ultra marathon training the first go around was not running fast. I mean, you want to make sure you're 
doing your strides, you know, you want to, you want to run fast quarter mile repeats. You want to, you want to run well for 30 minutes for a tempo. And yeah, I just think hitting every gear as anywhere, if you're training for 800 meters to a hundred to a hundred miles, you need to be touching every single speed you can. Absolutely. So what is your, what does your coaching look like now? Or are you still self-coached? I, I was coached last year by CJ Albertson uh, when I was chasing for the OTQ. Uh, I've been doing self-coaching for this year in this ultra marathon build. Um, it's pretty standard. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays are my like faster interval days, meaning uh, Tuesday is probably my main workout. So I'm trying to get in like eight, nine miles worth of fast running under five minute pace then. And then Thursdays, what I call kind of like a mini workout, like a supplemental, meaning I'll do three to four miles of sub five minute pace running. But uh, my rest is way more than what my uh, duration of like fast miles is, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I've found that's a really good way. So, for example, Tuesday, eight by mile at 508 with two minutes rest and then. Thursday, uh, kind of a mix of anywhere from 200s to 400s with probably 1 to 1.5 rest. So meaning if I'm running a 200, then I will walk for 30 seconds or jog for a minute. So I'm getting very generous on the rest and I'm touching another gear. And then um, Saturday is my long run day. And um, if I was training for a marathon, there'd be a specific workout and all that good stuff. But for an ultra, I was kind of hovering around from six and a half to six forty-five pace for about four hours every Saturday morning. What's the hardest part about being self-coached? Ooh, um, I would say you know trying to like build periodization, you know, because um, and just like looking at the big picture of like, hey, I need to be working this part for four weeks and then the next four weeks I'm going to be working this part. And, um, I tried to kind of map that out the night before, but then there were some mornings where I wake up and I had thought of, I would planned what I wanted to do. And I, I either, you know, didn't sleep well. I'm not feeling great. I'm not, I'm, I'm like getting out the door. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to change this around, which, uh, which is fine, you know, because you got to do what your body wants to do. But then at the same time, you know, uh, there were workouts that my coach CJ had me do that I would have never even thought of or done. And it helped, and it helped me run a personal best in the marathon last year. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the idea of the periodization, do you, do you plan your blocks? Like, do you, like, I guess how far right now, how far in advance do you know what you're going to do? Or is it kind of that wake up, see how you're feeling. And then you can kind of pick and choose from, you know, whatever you have in your docket. I've got a rough idea as far as the next week goes. Um, I ran a 10K personal best back in September. So I knew like the four weeks leading into that, that I needed to make, you know, sub five minute pace or right at five minute mile pace feel relatively easy. And um, the week, it was like a couple of weeks before I was really dialing in my 400s and I changed them into 800s. And then eventually like the week before I did like six by mile at, 10k race pace with like a minute rest and then then i ran a 10k personal best and then i kind of switched that you know pure speed over into more of like repetitions where i was getting ready to prepare for the hennepin 100 meaning um i was doing a lot more volume so i was doing like 30 by 400 at like really relatively for myself not that fast of pace like 
at like 113 per 400, but I was taking either a minute jog or 40 seconds rest. So, so I was really trying to like nail um, an interval and get that volume in and just kind of work in that volume to make me feel how I would on race day. And um, if I were going into a marathon, then I would eventually do stuff like six by two miles at marathon pace of a mile jog. And I would just kind of make those intervals longer and bigger and closer to marathon pace as I would get to race day. Sure. Uh, are you still a teacher? No, I'm not. Unfortunately, uh, um, I left teaching PE in August of last year and I am an insurance adjuster now. So okay. that is, so, yeah, that is my, that's my day job. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a similar question though. Obviously, you know, when you're a teacher, I, you know, I obviously imagine a lot of your kids know you as the, the teacher who runs what, what, and this is the question that I imagine everyone asks you what the balance, how do you balance the running with the day job where, you know, you can still be a good employee. Uh, but obviously you, you have high, high goals, you know, on the trail mm-hmm. and you want to be able to execute those too. Yeah. Um, when I was teaching, I had to wake up extremely early and, um, I was, you know, I basically lived off coffee for the years I was teaching when <laughs> I was, uh, you know, running a lot. And unfortunately, um, I could tell that on the days when I took a rest day or the days when I didn't run as much that I was a better educator. And, um, when I was coaching, I could tell that it affected how I was at practice. And, um, I just felt like I wasn't getting the best me to be an educator and a coach. And, um, I needed a little bit of a change and, um, I was presented with opportunity and now I work fully remote for a major insurance company and I start work at eight or eight 30. And then eight hours later, I'm off. I'm able to run on my lunch break. Uh, that helps immensely. Um, one thing that I always try to credit is like, there are a lot of people around me and, you know, hundreds of thousands of runners across the world who are able to train for their goal while they have a demanding job, kids, a commute, they've got way more on their plate than I do. And I just find that like so much more inspirational because I've been able, you know, to luckily carve my life around uh, my training. And there are so many people out there who are running miles at four o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock at night after family time's over. And I just, yeah, that, that is incredible to me to watch that, watch people do. Couldn't agree more. What do you, what do you miss most about teaching? Um, it's, it's, it's way more fun than my job is now. Um, I miss (laughs) playing kickball, dodgeball, uh, just kind of being able to, um, I had some kids that were special needs and I taught a kid who was nonverbal how to catch a ball. And that was really cool for me. I taught him that my last year, uh, just hanging out. Uh, you know, I was definitely the fun teacher and, um, just kind of, I don't know, uh, because, you know, when I was teaching, uh, I was relatively young, 22, 23 years old. So, so I was probably like the youngest one in the building and I was, yeah, it was just a good time. You could relate well, I imagine then. Yeah. Yeah. Can definitely relate well. I could be like, Hey, did you see, you know, um, I'd be like, Hey, did you see this on YouTube or something like that? And they'd be like, yeah. And yeah, those were, those were fun times. One, one more question about you teaching. When you think of the, the realization that you came to about like, when, when I run less or whatever, I'm able to give more. Was that like a slow burn or was there like a kind of an aha moment? Because either way, I wonder, so it's like a two-part question, slow burn or an aha moment. And how did that hit you 
when it eventually happened because I, I had to imagine have to imagine that it was kind of a gut punch. Yeah, um, I had always kind of thought of that in the back of my mind. I it never really came across. And then there were like a few days where we either had late start or like I had a race on Saturday or Sunday. So I'd plan a rest day on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. And um, whenever that were to happen and I'd go into class, I, I would just be able to be more active. I could, you know, help help the little kids more, the five, six-year-olds. I could bend down easier. Um, I'd be more attentive um, when I'm when I'd be directing seventh and eighth graders a complicated game. I could explain it. I would have just a little more oomph to uh, just kind of go over the process and expectations for them. And yeah, it, it did kind of suck because I, I gave up probably the coolest job in the world, but you know, um, you can't, you can't have everything in life. So there has to be good somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's go to 2021. You, you mentioned yeah. it a couple of times that the treadmill record, the 100 mile treadmill world record, uh, you, okay. Why? Like what, where, where does this idea come from? Um, and let's just start there. What, why, why that, why that instead of maybe something else? So, um, at the time, you know, there was no hundred mile races going on, um, anywhere because of the pandemic. And, um, I had found really a love for running on the treadmill. And to be honest, um, I found if I ran on the treadmill before school, it would save my legs to where I could walk around the gym. I wasn't ever in pain, but, but, you know, you just get stiff if you do 10, 13, 16 miles before school, and then you're a PE teacher. So you walk around the gym all day. And, um, I found that if I did that before school, it would save my legs. I'd be a little better teacher then. And, um, the, at the time the treadmill record was like 1209. And I was like, well, I, I just ran 1219. I can surely do that in six months. And we, um, I had my friends help me set it up and we just went for it on May 1st of 2021. And then it happened. What, what what is the training for that like like you just you mentioned a couple of times like if you're training for a, a traditional ultra you're doing x y and z if you're training for the marathon maybe you're going to build in this stuff you mentioned the 10k earlier um because like any race that you're going into there are specific sets of skills right that you need to have mm -hmm. for those and so you sharpen those up over the course of training this is unique because it like in my just the, the lowest kind of way to explain it to me i was thinking this morning all right well, on one hand, you got a hundred miles, so you have to train for that. And, and obviously you, you were, you were already doing that, but the other is you need to do it on the treadmill and you say you like treadmill running. Um, and I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not here to disagree with you, but there does seem to be a difference between like a 12 mile run in the morning and 100 consecutive miles on the treadmill. So I guess <laughs> what was, what was that training? Like knowing, like all I could think about was that is so much more about sharpening the brain and even more than, than sharpening your body physically. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, so as a triathlete, I did a lot on my indoor bike on my, on my Wahoo kicker. And I was used to constantly training indoors. You know, I, I did 99% of my cycling indoors. I think I have like 40 days on Zwift cycling, something like that, something crazy. And, um, I just kind of translated that onto the treadmill, meaning I set up my fans. You can see them behind me. Um, I'd listen to music. I'd, I'd run on Zwift. I'd, you know, watch TV on Netflix. And, uh, I just found out that my mind could be occupied by that. And I could just roll, you know, for two hours, three hours, four hours on the treadmill and just, yeah, get it done and be, you know, it would be one more thing to help and to help prevent injury. So 
What I mean, just such a matter of fact answer, but it's so, I mean, if you're able to not zone out is, is maybe too harsh of a term, but if you're able to in, find enjoyment with a TV show or a song or a podcast or anything, you know, to help yeah. the time fly by. And like, I love the, I love the way you view it of this is also going to be better on my legs. It's, it's going to be better on my body. And so like, there is like some true give and take of, of that's some good give that you get. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I think you and a lot of people would be surprised of the amount uh, treadmill runners who I've talked to who do way more on a treadmill than I ever will, or I ever have. So it's some of these people who, who are very active treadmill runners put in just basically 99% of their miles on it. I can't do that anymore. Uh, there's a point in my life where I could, but yeah, not, not anymore for me, but, um, I still do use it probably six days a week. What was the what was the hardest part about that that 100 miles and, and setting the world record? Is there like a moment in inside of that that you look back on and you're like that that it wasn't like gonna break you, but man, I'm happy I got past that moment inside of the, those 100 miles. Um, it was probably around like that mile 80 ish mark. Um, I had a lot of there were several hundred people there watching, and I had a treadmill set up next to me with people who signed up to run, so there really wasn't too low of a part. Um, but you know, when you're 30 miles from the finish and you've, you know, ran already 70 miles at 650 pace and you've got 30 ahead of you and, um, it got, it got warm in the building. Uh, we didn't, you know, it was May in Illinois, so it started off cool. And then the day ended at like 80 degrees. And that was probably the hardest part was dealing with the heat and the amount of bodies that were surrounding the treadmill and just inside the bar in general. What did the people that were just there to be there, what, what did they think of it? Like, you know, you have your friends. I know your mom is there. There's such a cool video of, of you two embracing afterwards. But what is it like? And I guess you're so dialed in and focused. I imagine you're not even seeing them. But I, I just I wonder what the reaction was for these people that are like, I was just going out to have a drink. And there's this guy running on a treadmill for a, a long time. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the place where I actually had it at, it's like a bar and grill and never, I, I feel bad because there were like kids there, like there for their prom date and, <laughs> and, uh, they see this like half naked dude on a treadmill sweating and all these people yelling and music blasting. They probably not suspect that, uh, like the weeks leading into the event, the, uh, place was posting on like their door, like, Hey, this is happening on this day. And like on their bulletin board for the restaurant, like, Hey, this is what's going to be happening here. And then for like the random guy to show up, I, I have no idea what, what they were thinking, but they <laughs> probably just like thought I was crazy. I imagine. I mean, they, they, it's probably something they'll never forget, right? They got there. They probably texted a group chat. <laughs> like there's this guy running on a treadmill and I bet it still comes up in conversation with some of those people probably what was the embrace like with your mom after that race yeah you know that was very emotional um i, I i've said it before you know I'll, I'll never make an olympic team i'll never win chicago boston new york but uh to have that many of like my loved ones there to you know to run a, a, a treadmill world record to have them there embrace me you know my friends you know i had a lot of extended family there and just people from the running community around me there at the end it just it just felt unbelievable. And it's a moment that I'll never forget. And, um, yeah, to have that moment with my mom and then to, uh, also have my brother, my sister, my three best friends there was amazing. That's super special. Um, yeah. What do you enjoy more running far or running fast? Oh, I'm definitely running far. Yeah. Running fast sucks. It's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, it doesn't suck, but, 
Oh yeah, I'm definitely I I prefer the uh long slow 20 miles versus eat breakfast, bring fuel out for a hard 20 miles and definitely just like I wake up and just kind of ease into it and get done and yeah. What is the uh what's the trial and error been like with with fueling? What are the one of the things that I love about following you on Strava is, you know, especially when you do your real long runs on the weekends. You are in the description. You're like, I did this and this and this at at this point, at this point, at this point. So you you really kind of let people behind the curtain in terms of how you fuel and how you train in that regard. What what has that process been like for you over the last few years? Um, you know, I'm a very big proponent over like a high carb diet and trying to put as much um, good food in your body and as much gel as your stomach can handle. Um, I've just found that like. You know, as far as like the running world goes, I, I know, you know, there's a lot of people who deal with like issues of eating and all that. And I, I, I really, really try to be like, hey, you know, the more calories, the more carbs you can put in, probably the better you'll recover. Um, I don't I don't love doing it. Uh, it's just something I have to do to run fast. You know, um, I would rather do an easy 10 mile run and get done and feel normal versus a hard 20 or a hard 30 where I'm, you know, shoving gels in my body. And, um, it does, it does help my recovery, but, um, and it does help me run faster, but, but I, I don't like the way it makes me, you, every runner has to do if they want to sustain an effort for any sort of duration over an hour or 90 minutes. Um, I've even taken, even during my 10 k personal best, I took a gel a mile too. I don't know. Just, oh, wow. I just try to, you know, be a big proponent over, you know, just fuel as much as you can because you'll probably feel better. You know, your stomach might not feel as great after, but your body will feel better the next day and the following day. And that's, that's just what I found that works for me. Do you feel like you have a strong stomach? Oh, yeah. That is one of the things that I, as a strength of mine, is having a strong stomach. Thankfully, knock on wood or wherever I've never had a GI issue during a race, I can, um, and in my marathon personal best, I think I took nine gels over the two hours and 21 minutes, something like that. And didn't have an issue at all. What's your favorite part about running? Um, I'd say the part where, you know, it takes me a little bit to loosen up, uh, probably after like 20 minutes when I feel good and ready to go, you know, like after the like third or fourth mile, and I'm just kind of cruising along and I just feel great. And then, um, probably the feeling after is really nice where I, you know, stop and get home, open my front door. And I just feel like, you know, I, I did something today. So, uh, I finish every podcast by asking my guests about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something, or it could just be a feeling tagger Van Etten. What are you chasing? Uh, well, I'm running, I'm going back to Tunnel Hill 100 this weekend for the third, and I'll be uh, hopefully uh, chasing a course record. Um, I used to be a very big, you know, this is 218 or bus, this is this time or bus, and I'm just going to go there and try to race myself as hard as I can and leave everything there. And if that's under 12 hours, that's great. If it's under 13 hours, that's great. So, Tiger Van Etten, thanks for joining me on Chasing Three Hours. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. So good luck to you and your training. And yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, I appreciate everyone for listening. If you, and if, if anyone has questions, I try to be an open book as much as possible. So a lot of people have helped me and I try to, I try to give back as much as I can. Thanks again to Tagger Van Etten for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me as I write about my experiences training for the 2024 Eugene Marathon. 
email me at chasing3hours at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend. Bye.